to um, attend one. And but as I sat through these meetings and as I got to know these women, I felt my sermon changing, <laughs> and that was really, really scary <laughs> um, because I knew that the Sabbath was coming, and I was about nervous about what I would have to say. But I'm here, thank God, so I pray that, uh, that he's with me as I, as I speak from my heart and that, uh, and that hopefully that you're, you're able to take something away. Can we turn this down a little bit? It feels really loud. So let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, for the blessing of being able to, to be here, to worship as a church, um, for the beautiful day and the weather and, and all the things in our lives that, that you have so very much blessed us with and that often we take for granted. And as we talk today about um, answering your call and, and adjusting our lives to you, I pray that, that you help us feel, you help us hear, you help us sense what you are calling us to each and every one of us we do know you have plans for us. Um, in your name I pray. Amen. So how many of you have been doing this Experiencing God series, like in a small group or at home by yourself? Okay, there's, there's you know, about a third of you guys have been doing it. How many of you guys have been here for at least a majority of the sermon series that Pastor Dave has been doing? Okay, that's more of you guys. Um, altogether, though, there's some of you guys who aren't familiar with what we've been doing as a church. So has it been eight weeks now? Eight weeks, we have been going through this book series called Experiencing God, um, which is a set of lessons and small groups where we talk about how we interact with God, how we uh, seek his will in our lives, and, and how, that can, how that definitely changes the way that we're living. And it's been an incredible experience for me uh, since, I think, week one or two. I've seen results happening as I, as I put these new attitudes into actions. And, and I don't know how many of you have experienced similar things where things that had been unclear suddenly became more clear as you started hearing God or, or feeling God act in your life. Um, but it has been incredible for me. And, and for you, I, for those of you who haven't been doing it, um, yeah, <laughs> I had this conversation with, with my youth. I have a very diverse group of kids, and some of them are, are brand new believers or, or maybe haven't even made that decision yet. They just really like hanging out here. <laughs> and some of them have grown up in the church and made the decision a really long time ago. But talking about being on this journey, the spiritual journey um, with God as we, we get to know him, and it starts that day you make the decision, and then slowly you grow as you learn to talk and you learn to walk with him. And, and you reach this point where, you know, where we are in experiencing God, where we're learning to really converse with him and seeking his will in really, in real ways to know what he wants in our lives. And, um, yeah, it's been, it's been really interesting. When we got to this chapter, I read, I studied the chapter a couple weeks ago before I went to this conference. And this, this week's topic is in response to last week. So last week was called Crisis of Belief. And it had to do with, okay, you're, you're here, you're communicating with God, and you feel God is wanting you to do something with your life. You know, whatever it is. And for some people, it's really big. Some people, it's really small. But just reaching out to a certain person or some people, you know, for me, like call to ministry and different things all over the scale. But God is asking something of you. Are you going to do it? And, and that's a struggle for a lot of people, especially depending on, on how big the <laughs> what he's asking you to do is. And so today is adjusting to God. Okay, so he's called you to do this, but a lot of times 
most of the time, being able to do that, being able to respond to it, requires you to change something about your life, to make room for it. And I love the book's examples, um, like Noah. You know, he couldn't just keep on being a farmer or a gardener, whatever it is he was, after God called him to build the ark. I mean, he had to build an ark instead. And all these little adjustments that we make in our life. And so I thought I'd share with you my story of how I ended up here. Um, now, as some of you may know, women in ministry is still a, a controversial topic in our church. And, uh, and I know here I have not received any negative feedback <laughs> or, or um, people telling me that I don't, I don't belong on this stage, that I don't deserve to be speaking to word, the word to you guys. Um, but I also know that that even if you're not saying it, some people still have that hesitation in their heart. My brother, who is an amazing man of God, <laughs> struggled with this decision that I made. And um, he's still not sure. You know, his understanding of the Bible tells him that I, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be up here. And, and he does respect me, and he loves me as a sister, an actual sister, and, and he does feel that I have been doing good work, but he's not sure how he feels about this, you know? And um, I, don't, I don't think he's come to one of my sermons before. Mo the rest of my family has been incredibly supportive, and usually they're here on the front row listening to me and, and encouraging me and supporting me and affirming my calling. But, so I don't know, despite everything, I, I don't know where you stand on the subject and how comfortable you are with me here. And on the women's conference, our very first night, they talked about the power of your story how your journey can be very powerful to help other people in, in something that they're struggling with in their lives or just in helping them get to know you. And so I'm, I'm going to share that with you today, and this, this may be hard for me to get through, but I'll go ahead and do it nonetheless. <laughs> um, I was 15. I was 15 and a member of the La Sierra University Church the year that they decided they were going to to ordain two women against conference policy, against everybody's policy. They had felt very strongly that, that they needed to, to pray about this and search for a decision on whether or not they would ordain these women who had been in ministry their entire lives. I mean, both of them were over 50 years old. And, and so they brought it to the church because they were not going to do this without the church's support. And I was 15 years old. I mean, I'm still in high school. I mean, how many of you guys are 15 now? I got a few of you guys. I was your age. You know, how many of you guys already know what you want to do with your lives? I had no clue what I wanted to do. Oh, Angelica's good. She has her life plan set up. Um, I had no clue yet. And yet when this came, when this was presented to our church, I, I was really, I was just, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? And it had never occurred to me to be a pastor. I was raised in a conservative Hispanic church, and, and I loved my dad, and, and I know from a young age I wanted to follow and I wanted to do something for God. But as far as I was concerned, that was being a teacher or being a missionary. You know, it had never crossed my mind that God could call me to the ministry. And so when this was presented to our church, I just remember the turmoil I was in. And I got all the literature that was all over the church, and I'm reading the pro and the con and, and trying to figure out, God, what are you trying to tell me? How can... Our church be so divided on this. What, what is your truth? And I, I remember talking to different pastors. I talked to my father. And um, I think my father was the one who, I mean, that's my dad, for those of you who know me. I just, 
his calm presence and just his relationship with God was always so affirming to me. And he told me, you know, Amanda, I feel that the way that we are called, and yes, there is sin in this world, and there are inequalities that we may never be able to correct, but in the garden, when God created us, we were equals. We were helpmates. We were meant to work together. And I feel that we should go back to what God created us to be instead of conforming to what's in this world. And I took that very personally, and I prayed about it. And so when they had this big meeting in the church, I went there, and I stood up, the only 15-year-old in the room, and I said, you know, I feel that God wants to transform us as a church, that we don't continue conforming to the world and, and the mistakes that are here, that we are transformed for God. And, um, and because I, I stood up and because I shared my heart, I was invited to take part in this first women's ordination. And it was a packed building, and, and I got to say, scripture up in front, and I ended up on the very front row of this church as these two women had hands laid on them. I got even pulled up to be part of this, and, and I remember this feeling of, of pressure and tears when you're feeling so overwhelmed by something. And as it was all over, I sat back down, and I just, I just knew. And I felt God whisper, Amanda, this is what I want for you. This is the life I want for you. Oh, my goodness, that terrified me. Because <laughs> as my dad told me, this is, this is not going to be an easy thing for you. But the truth is, growing up in Southeastern California Conference, this has not been that difficult. This conference has been incredibly supportive of women. And it wasn't until I went to Michigan and I met women from all over the North American division, women from, from Alaska and from Jamaica and from Guam and from Canada and from every part of the United States that I understood how difficult it still is out there and how much women are hurting because they've heard the voice and they felt the call and they have been unable to do anything else but follow God. And so they have adjusted their lives, even though it meant abandoning well-paying jobs in teaching or in nursing or in business or in social work. They have left it behind to follow God. And sometimes a church that doesn't want them. But I feel like that was, that was what the chapter was saying. That sometimes you need to adjust your lives to God, even though it doesn't feel like it's making sense. You know, sometimes it's like the only thing you can hold on to is what God is asking for you. And whether it's asking for just a closer relationship for you, whether he's asking you to actually do something in somebody else's life, but you need to be willing to adjust yourself, adjust your life's path to him. So I, I wanted to share, and, and, you know, it's easy to talk about this passionately, but we all know that in reality it's not easy. And I had three, three situations that came to mind as I was putting this together of times that I was forced with needing to make an adjustment. And two times I did not, and one time I, I did. So the very first, and this was after college, you know, I'd accepted my calling. I came to terms with it. I got a call to be a youth pastor up in Placerville. It's in Northern California, east of Sacramento, a wonderful church. You guys remind me of them so much because the warmth and the love and the support and how much you guys care for your youth here. It is, it's a wonderful thing, and, and I got to experience that at my first church. I was a task force worker, and, and that meant that you work full time for maybe half time, third time pay. And I didn't care. I was just so excited to be there, and I loved it. And I loved working with the kids and starting programs and Vespers and 
and going on trips, and it was an amazing experience. Um, but after a year and a half, I realized that I, I was getting into debt. I wasn't having enough money to, to cover my loan payments. And I had a couple months where I really couldn't afford to buy food, and I was living off crackers and beans until my mom found out and, like, was sending me money saying, eat real food, Amanda. Stop starving yourself. You need to eat. And, uh, and I, I just kept going, and I, and I struggled. Um, and I had some, some women who came into my life and encouraged me, like, you need to talk to the church. Because the church, they, they love you. They believe in your work. You know, maybe if, if you went and talked to them, you'd be able to, to increase your, your salary a little bit, you know, to help you cover all of these bills. And so I went to my senior pastor, and I asked him, is there any way that we can increase my task force wage a bit so I can stay? Because I don't want to go. And it was like November, December, and he told me, Amanda, I can't, I can't tell you until we finish the year. I can't tell you until I find out whether or not we make budget. That's a big thing. Got to make budget. And so how can I promise more money if we can't even keep up with our responsibilities here? And, uh, and I got a call from, from my dad down here saying that he needed a, a music teacher, a long-term substitute position, um, because his, his teacher here had gotten cancer and needed to leave for medical reasons. And, um, and he would pay full-time, full-time, full benefits for the times I was there. And I'm like, well, what should I do? Should I go and, and get the, the full-time, you know, pay and, yay, pay off my bills, some of them? And, or should I stay at this church that, that I know has been such a blessing I've been called to? And um, my senior pastor, Pastor Jim's like, Amanda, stay, but you got to wait. I can't tell you until December 31st. I can't tell you till January 1 if you can just wait with me. But my dad's saying, Amanda, I got to know by, you know, December 26th. I got to know by Christmas. You got to let me know. Otherwise, I need to find somebody else. And I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And so I, I made the decision to leave. And I got an email from Pastor Jim just January 2 saying, we made budget, Amanda. And um, it was too late. I was gone. And it, oh, it hurt my heart so much. And what followed was a very, it was a, it was a shadow time for me. It was a dark time as I tried to find my ministry. And, oh, I, I loved Orangewood, and I loved the kids there, and, and I feel like it, that wasn't the negative part for me. It was not knowing what God wanted me to do next because I had left the calling that he had, he had taken me to. But I chose the responsible decision. You know, responsible, you got to pay your bills. you got to not go into debt. That's a responsible thing to do. It totally made sense for me to take that job. And yet maybe it wasn't the right decision for me. The next time that happened, maybe a, a, about a year, not quite a year later, um, after all of this, I I'd ended up provincial, like, oh, my goodness, I bumped into someone from my old church who was telling me about um, a church plant that was happening in San Francisco, and I was going to be up there anyways for some conferences I was doing. And I connected with him, and I was talking to him about this church plant, and I felt it again, that excitement. Something special is going to happen here. And I just I knew I needed to be a part of it, and everything lined up, and someone was giving me a free place to live up there for a while, and so I went. And um, as soon as my job requirements were done at Orangewood, I, I left to San Francisco to be a part of this church plant. And, uh, and it was difficult. Church plants, you don't get paid for that because <laughs> there's nothing there yet. <laughs> um, so it's just reliant on your, on your passion for the project. And so I struggled to find a job. And, and I spent a few months up there without, without a job trying to find one. And even when I found one, um, it wasn't quite making ends meet. 
and um, but just struggling there to make sense. And and the church, the, p- the three people who had gone out to start this church had come together. They had all gone to Southern University together. And so they're still getting to know me, and they're like, we, we like you, but, you know, we're not sure how you fit into this yet. So and I, and I knew in my heart I had been called to be there, and yet it wasn't working out the way that I thought it should. And, um, and so by the end of the year, I'd started dating Jeff already, and he still lived down in Orange County and was flying up to visit me, and, and he's talking to me about my finances, and he's like, Amanda, you're not, you're not making it. You know, it doesn't make sense for, for him to move to San Francisco with me. Um, and, and I struggled, and I cried, and I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do? I felt called here. And yet, it, it doesn't seem like I should stay. And so um, I left, and I went back to, to Riverside and lived with my parents for a while. And, and I'm not saying good things didn't happen from that because I got married to the love of my life, which would have happened anyway. I'm sure it would have happened. It might have taken a little longer. But, um, but I could not find a job here. Um, the conference was in the middle of a hiring freeze. I mean, you guys know this was 2000, 2008, 2009. All churches were struggling for money. No one was hiring church hires. And I spent two years outside of doing ministry. And I did get a job eventually, but it was, it was not a ministry job. And it was a job that, that took, it took life out of me. <laughs> um, and I struggled and I struggled for two years knowing that I was called to the ministry but not being able to do it until uh, till God brought me here. And, and I, don't, I think I've told the story already. It was pretty crazy because we were just buying a house and, and I just emailed the, the two closest churches to where this house we were buying was and one email bounced back and the other was, was Pastor Dave saying, I was right about to, to send a, a request for a job to La Sierra when you emailed me. I didn't even finish it, but, you know, come meet me with me, talk with me. And so the timing was just the way God does that sometimes. It's awesome. And, and we met, and it was great. And, and when I got the job, he gave me the little job flyer he was going to post that he never mailed out. And I kept, I have one. I'll keep that in my pocket. And I love it here. And I love these, these kids. I love you guys. You guys are so wonderful. And, uh, and where I am now, and this is my final um, I'm part-time here, quarter-time, eight-time. I don't know what time I'm here. I'm here really part-time, and, uh, and my husband would love for me to get a real job. Not, okay, no, he loves you guys. He wants me to stay here. He would love for me to make more money <laughs> um, so that we could, you know, pay off some bills. And, and I don't want you to think we're, we're sinking. I mean, I'm doing, we're making ends meet, but it's, it's, it's difficult, you know, when you're not able to make progress in your finances. And um, I'd been praying about this job for a couple years. Um, Laguna Niguel has been trying to hire a part, uh, well, it was a full-time position for youth and, and, mu- and music. And the first time I applied for it was when I didn't have a job. And, and um, they ended up hiring someone else, but told me, you were our second choice. We almost hired you. And I remember reading that job description and getting so excited because I'm like, young adult ministry and music. I mean, that's me. Come on. I was created for this job. And, and it didn't happen. And I was, I was very sad. And then found out that the person ended up not staying there. And we've been in a year and a half progre- process of trying to hire again. And um, I've been praying about it, and Pastor Dave knows that he's like, I know, Amanda, when, you know, they give you a call, we understand that you'll be leaving them. And, but they hadn't called, you know. 
And they just kept, oh, next month, next month, uh, next year, next year. And um, two weeks ago, I got the email saying that they were interviewing again for a youth music position. But I got to tell you guys, as I read that email, my heart didn't leap within me. I didn't read it and get excited about all the ministry possibilities I would have at Laguna Niguel. I thought of you guys, <laughs> and I thought of here, and I thought of our summer plans that we're going to do, and our Vespers, and our, our laser tag trips, and our walk-in. I thought of everything I'm doing here, and, I'm, and I knew that if I took this position, it would just be about me. It would just be about being half-time officially, and, and that maybe it would be the responsible decision, but it wouldn't be the right one. The right one would be to stay. And, and I would love to share with you, if you guys are interested in all in youth ministry, to share with you the exciting things that I've been talking with these kids about, about high school ministry that we're hoping to launch in the fall. Because I know God has plans for you. And I've been seeing things happening here since I got here a year ago that I'm just so happy to be a part of. The way this church is, is passionate about their community and the You, Minist you Matter ministry that, that has gotten started but has been talked about for a while and, and what Bob has organized and teaming up with a team in, in Santa Ana to go out and, and feed homeless and the prison ministry that is, is launching again and that when I heard you guys were doing that because it was something you guys used to do, um, that was something that I, I've been a part of in the past and I was excited that that's something that's a priority to you because I always think of that, that verse, you know, where, where I was in prison and you visited me. You know, that's one of the things Jesus said is that, that that's one of the ways he'll, he'll, he'll know us. I was in prison and, and, and you, you visited me. I was hungry and you fed me. And the way this church takes that to heart and you live that here. And I know I want to be a part of what you guys are doing here. And so I'm praying, and if you guys will pray for me. Because this time I want to make the right decision. <laughs> I want to stay where God has called me instead of following what I feel my needs might be saying. And, um, and I'm, I'm so blessed to be here with you guys. Um, I feel that when it comes to, to adjusting your life, honestly, when, when you're making those tough decisions, a lot of the time it's, the struggle, and, and I remember this as I was going through it, that you have to choose what's best for me over what's best for, for the people God has called me to minister. And when I made those decisions, I was choosing what was best for me. And, and it's not that it's wrong or it's bad to choose what's best for you, but it's not best to choose what's best for me over what God is, is asking of us. Um, and so for me, that, that, des that decision was between what was responsible and what was right. But for all of you guys, it's, it's not necessarily that, that calling. For some of you, it's between comfortable and uncomfortable. And, and this is a lot of the, the outreach things. A lot of times it's taking you outside of your comfort zone. And, and I was talking to, um, I guess it was just Brian and Edward last week, about when you're at school and you see someone who's hurting, you know, they're crying or they're obviously upset, and you don't know them, they're not your friend, they're not your responsibility, but are you going to choose to be uncomfortable in order to reach out and to be there 
And show them, show them Jesus, show them God. Are you going to make that choice to step out of your comfortable zone and be uncomfortable because that's what God wants of you? Are you going to make that choice? Are you going to make the choice between being prideful or humble? And that's a hard one a lot for a lot of us, too, between wanting to take credit for all of the things that we do or giving the glory to God, truly, not just by mouth, but truly giving it to God, that, um, that everything I do, it's not of my own power, it's not about me, but it's about you, it's about God. Um, between routine and between risk, and I feel like sometimes this is, this is mission trips, people who are called to do mission, is having to choose to leave what your life normally is and do something you've never done before. Um, I'm going to the Philippines this summer, um, for those of you guys, does the, the, the insert, the youth calendar, make it? Do you guys have that? It's supposed to be an insert. Um, have all the things that we currently have on our calendar right now. And I also mentioned the couple times that, that I've been away. And, and one of them is three weeks I'm in the Philippines doing an evangelism thing. And, and Pastor Dan asked, asked me to be a speaker. I've never done that before. I've never spoken for an evangelistic crusade. And I'm terrified, <laughs> honestly. I, I, it's so far out of my comfort zone, so far out of anything I've done. I've done mission trips, I've done music, I've built houses, but I've never had to be the speaker for the meeting, you know, and so put that on your calendar and pray for me for those three weeks too, that my back keeps working, that, you know, I stay healthy, and that most of all God speaks through me to, to you know, the hundreds and hundreds of, of Filipino people I'll be, I'll be preaching to. Um, and the last thing I wanted to talk to you about was between sensible finances and faith finances. And, uh, and this is an interesting one for me because I've definitely been on the poorer spectrum <laughs> of the finances where it's like I'm praying, God, you know what, can you just let me keep my tithe this month because um, I need it to cover my credit card payment. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's really difficult to make that, that faith decision to, to pay your tithes and to pay your offerings. You, you need that money to, to cover life's necessities. And if, and if you're there, you know, I honestly do challenge you to, to talk to someone that, you, that you, you trust, you know, someone who, who may be in a better position with you to help you go over your finances and figure out, you know, how can I be faithful to God and still meet my needs? Because the truth is God does provide, and he's faithful to those who are faithful to him. And um, it's easy to say, but I've heard so many stories in my life of people who have chosen to live faithful finances over sensible and have miracles that have happened in their lives to keep them, you know, with their payments and their house payments and food on their table. And, um, but I think part of that is talking to someone that you trust. But on the other end of that spectrum are the people who, they're not on the poor end of the spectrum. They're the people who have money, and it's not hard to pay tithe. It's not hard to pay offerings. And... Um, and what came to mind is, as I was writing this was, um, how did I put it, was in Luke, um, Jesus saw an old woman who gave, you know, her two pennies and said that her gift was more valuable than, than all the bags of money that the Pharisees were giving. And, um, and the truth is, for those of you who have been blessed, are, are your finances and where your money is going reflecting the fact that you're that you're being faithful to God. Because the truth is, when you have money, it's easy to spend money. And, and since I've gotten married, and, and I have a completely different life now, since for my paycheck-to-paycheck paycheck existence, 
you know, it, it's easy to, to buy the things that I like and, and to buy, you know, skirts like this one that I really enjoy and, and you know, new shoes and, and things that are, are pleasant and are, are useful to me, but before I'm, I'm doing some of the things that maybe my money should be going towards. And needing to look at my finance the same way as on the poorer spectrum, but looking at my finances and saying, where am I giving money to God? Am I supporting the ministries that I feel impressed to support, or am I choosing not to? Um, a couple months ago, and I don't know how many of you guys are big on Facebook, there was a big campaign um, called Coney 2012. Did any of you guys see that? Coney 2012? It was a video, and uh, it was a very sad story about a man who's, um, who's had all, was 20 years? It's been a lot of years of, of kidnapping children and putting them in the army. And um, I did a lot of research about it, and I decided I wasn't going to sponsor the ministry that actually made the video. Um, but there were definitely a lot of children, children who have escaped and have been traumatized for life. There were a lot of ministries that were done out there in Africa, local ministries, helping these kids who, um, who have survived it um, or helping, you know, prevent it and, and taking care of it. And I found them. I went looking, and I found them. And, and i got to be honest with you guys, I didn't give the money. And, and I felt impressed to, and I didn't. And, and, that's, on, and that's on me. Because I did feel the leading, I did feel the calling, and, and when it came down to it, it was just a little too inconvenient to actually put my money where my heart was and where I felt God was leading me. And so for everybody, it's, it's going to be different um, for what ministries God has placed on your heart. You know, the homeless ministry being one of them, youth ministry being one of them. <laughs> if you want to support all of the things that we're doing right now or, or hope to be doing and, and mission trips and and all the things I have on my heart to help with these kids, to, to take the time to support and, and be faithful with the money that you do have. Um, I got a tangent on money. <laughs> In closing, I just, I think the prayer that, that I have and the thing that I understand most is that these things become clear the more you're focusing on God in your life. Um, in the book, it said that it's, it's not as much, it's not as important to recognize the adjustment as it is to make it. And I feel that is what I'm starting to, to really understand. That it's not enough to, to realize that there are things in my life I need to adjust to God's way or to accomplish the things that he wants for me to do. But I actually need to be willing to make those adjustments. And the only way I'm going to be capable of doing that is by craving God and seeking God and wanting more of God in my life. So for those of you guys who are not doing the Experiencing God series yet, I invite you, go to Amazon, come to us. We, we're happy to order it for you. But that it's been a wonderful series about helping you find ways to interact with God and know God on a, on a way that is real in your life, not just, you know, coming to church or not just, hearing it but not doing it it helps it take it to the next level because um, that is something that, that we all need is more more of God um, I have a song that I'd like to share with you and for, for some of you guys who know um, I used to be in a singing group called With Praise and um, this was when I was in college and, and God bless me and that's a whole nother crazy story of how I got to be part of this music ministry for six years and um, when our piano player wrote a bunch of different songs, and this is one of the ones that he wrote, 
And when I think of it, I think of him because I know what his struggles are. But it's also a prayer, I think, for all of us as we, as we look at our lives and as we realize what our priorities are and that as we pray that prayer, God, I need more of you because that's the first step. The adjustments are just adjustments if it's not for God and if it's not because of him. You know, make the adjustments he's impressing on your heart that, that speak to where you are, because I know you're all in different places in your lives, but to make the adjustments that he is he's slowly nudging you toward, you know, to bring you closer to him and to accomplish his work in the world. Supply my every need, a rare and priceless treasure, a gift from up above. You fill my life with joy and peace, kindness, faith, and love. More of you.
my kids up. Come on up. Anna and Neil. And, and I actually want us to sing that chorus together. More of you, Lord. Um, this is what I'm teaching your kids. <laughs> and this is what I hope, if, if anything, when my time is through here, that all of these kids have this prayer. Grab the cordless mics. You can do This message on their hearts, that they, they desperately seek more of God, Anna, and less of themselves to make him the number one priority and as they grow up and as they make all these important decisions that they're making to, to make them with more of God in mind. So, if I can get words. So you guys can join us too, more of you. Okay. So please join us as we sing, more of you, Lord. More of you, Lord, in everything I do. More of you, Lord, let your holy light shine through. Oh, my maker and my king, may there always be less of me and more of you. Please join me again. More of you. More of you. your holy light shine through. Oh, my maker and my king, may there always be less of 